0: beer is about drinkability. doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> how many <laughs> guys
1: do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example, and this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think that's you know, bullshit. <laughs> I think it's bullshit too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. You're no.
0: like going a teabag fight. Yeah. That? Yeah. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can no. I
1: get another high five (laughs) now live from the brewing network studios in northern california this is the radio program for home brewers craft brewers beer lovers and beer geeks it's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with well Expert drinkers, this is the radio program with a head on it. This is the session. Hey,
0: everybody, welcome to the session. It's another beer show for us, another session conversation where we are talking craft beer with my—I um, don't know—my my, my on-repeat co-host Teresa. How you doing, Teresa? Fabulous as always. You okay? You're- you're like the only person you and sully are like the only people that care about me
2: i care deeply that's why i show up hey
0: okay.
2: on. and about dave i've been like honestly i've been worried about dave so i'm
1: really excited to see
0: yeah but back your to me yeah but you know who cares? dave's always gonna be fine you
1: know? <laughs> i've only had two near-death experiences so far in 2021 so like things are going Wait. up <laughs> Oh my God!
0: Yes, that is true. We uh, we have Dave Marley back in the virtual studio um, because, believe it or not, Dave, we've had people
1: asking for updates on your life. I'm really good at making people feel better about themselves, especially in 2020. Well, uh, yeah, I would I would think so. Um, they're
0: from life insur- various life insurance companies, so I don't know what I should tell them, but this is.
1: Is there a limit on the number of policies that can be taken out on one person? We're about we're to, to find out. When we're Approaching that limit,
0: we're going to bring them on the line. It's Gary Stuff and Sugar from Geico Life Insurance is joining us today to talk to you about policy withdrawals. No, um,
1: I prefer independent. About
0: products. your new about your new ventures, you have yeah. several things going on. So you and I talk, you know, uh, a little bit uh, infrequently, but that's okay. You know, we both have busy lives. I played Warcraft for four hours today. Um, and you recently were like, yeah, here's a bunch of stuff that I'm going to be cryptic about and super cool and drama about. Uh, I can't tell you. And then suddenly you decided to tell me everything. So you you have like half a dozen things going on. And I thought it'd make a good show. Um, mainly because you're brewing at like three different for three different brands or four maybe now. I don't really know what's going on. Only two?
1: now three this summer okay we'll see there (laughs)
0: There you go uh so you're a busy guy and uh it feels like things are looking up for you and i don't want to spoil anything um because we're going to cover all that in the uh in the show today which we almost didn't have by the way because fedex decided to uh delay shipping beer and usually fedex gets to me at like seven o'clock at night It's like well we're gonna have to postpone it but uh, then I got lazy and didn't say anything and didn't decide. And then the universe decided for me because that's what it does. The universe is a, a being that, that that focuses on my life personally. Um, and I got the beer and I was putting it in my fridge. I was like getting it ready. <laughs> this is like <laughs> from my my fridge out in the garage to my fridge here on the desk. And, uh, you know, I was pulling them out of those the plastic, you know, four pack holders that everyone has or whatever. And I don't know if the, the the tab, little pull tab on the top was maybe just a little bit up or maybe it was my fault, but I ripped it out of the thing and it popped the beer and sprayed beer, <laughs> sprayed beer everywhere. so so like you, man, I I've, I've had a hard day today. so uh, <laughs> and it oh, you got beer on you. So Not, I mean
2: that's you like you in live there. in a bro- you work in a brewery. Yes, we yes, all get beer on you know, ourselves every day.
0: Yeah, you guys can relate. It's just I'm like, oh, ah, for sure. I'm bummed out. I would take a nap, but I have to work. Uh, it's the Imperial Porter. Hopefully, it'll be fine, man. Hopefully, we're right.
1: Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we don't <clears throat> discover how it was shipped on live television. But we'll, uh, we'll I guess figure that out. Yeah, it'll be fine. Was it Cold still? Was it like intact, dense scrapes? No, nah, don't care.
0: None. That's fine. What, what you are you talking about? What am I supposed to say? You tell me what I'm supposed to say.
1: Now it looks beautiful right. and majestic, JP. Just
2: like majestic a- no, it's don't. majestic i can okay. think of, i can tell you that much
0: well dave look let's uh because i'm thirsty because i've had such a hard day uh, i want to start drinking your beer but we can't do that until we talk to you unfortunately so um what's going on man last time we talked i believe you have a better memory than i do for this stuff um you were like being sued and you were living in a in like a wilderness survival tent in the wild in the, the wilds somewhere what's happening
1: Ah uh, it something? yeah n- now I sleep in a hammock in a closet so <laughs> uh, it's been a pretty good upgrade yeah I do. Um, Yeah. so back in October uh, basically while I was getting new spring up and running, uh, took a position with Yahat Spring on Yahats on the coast with the plan to basically just dial in their program. they're already making killer beer, but fine-tune things a bit and set them up to really increase distribution and hey, uh, sales. Hold on. You're jumping the gun. You jump the gun. You're talking about New Spring. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Well, where do you want me to start? New from, Spring hasn't started from, in October.
0: From the last time that we talked about about you. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. That's what it's, I was trying to set you up, okay. man. And, uh,
1: so, <laughs> so June, we, we already <laughs> talked about the building stuff, right? That was the last show.
0: You're
2: in the middle Yeah, of the Yeah, the last show was like your, your you had kegs all in your front yard and oh, your my. backyard. It was a disaster. You had to move your whole brewery in a month, and you were like almost done with that or just got done.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I wanna I want to go through everything. I want to savor all of the juicy details.
1: Savor the 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 mystery. I got it.
0: Yeah. You're you're the mighty ducks.
1: Basically, to go back in time, uh, what happened was I worked out a deal with the new owners of Calapooya Brewing in Albany. Right. Took all my equipment moved over to Calapuya and our goal was to set up an alternating proprietorship so that I could brew on my equipment in their space. Okay. They got a major, you know, brew house upgrade. Win, 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 win. Uh, the OLCC was not really keen on facilitating that. What is that? Uh, Liquor life? The Oregon Liquor Control Commission. Okay, all right. So Calapuya uh, is owned by the, the husband and wife team that started Vivacity Spirits. So when they bought Kalapuya Brewing, they moved their whole distillery over here. So right now, they have a full on-premise license for their pub. They have a brew pub. They have a distillery. They have a tasting room for the distillery. And adding an AP onto that, just uh, the OLCC essentially said, we don't even want to, like, figure out if you can do this. It so just figure something else out. Okay. All right. Yeah. So my my brew house and my tanks were moved in and hooked up by August. Uh, and the entire period from August up until our launch uh, on January sixth <laughs> of all days, uh, that was all just trying to license the new brand. Uh, that wow. was really the only holdback we had. So what we ended up doing was was supposed to be a stopgap, and now it's something that's working out so well we may just end up keeping it in the long run. Which is essentially, I finally emailed the OLCC and I said, okay. So the issue is you don't want to have another license in the building. So what if Kalapuya co-packs for me? But I also work for Kalapuya and I'm the Kalapuya employee that does all of the co-packing for my brand. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> is that is that
0: trying to clean things up or make it so, so complicated they just go, fine, I don't,
1: fine. So they're, almost verbatim, the response from the OLCC was like, oh, yeah, that's legal. And then we don't have to do anything. You should do that. <laughs> Last I've ever heard from. So I work wow. for Kalapuya as the sole brewer and packager for New Spring products. And wow. New Spring makes all of its revenue in licensing fees to Kalapuya, which happen to be just about the exact same amount as uh, Kalapuya makes on the New Spring brand.
0: okay so back a little bit when the whole thing was going on with flat tail were
1: you were you planning on starting a new line uh i was planning on living under a bridge yeah and seeing how that worked out for a while and then maybe upgrading from the bridge to like selling uh bicycles an rei or something (laughs) that sounds Uh, good why would you start a new brand i mean if if it were me i'd be like i don't want to do this ever again this sounds
0: this didn't go well yeah. I want to get out and try something different that's not
1: this so that was that was definitely uh the the first couple months after we got the equipment out of the old flat tail building it was really hard to move past that stage of just kind of fuck this why would I ever possibly run a brewery again because like that sucked um <laughs> You know, and it's one thing to like build something big that pays you a reasonable living and then have to give it up and walk away, break even. But this was not that, this was like all of the leftover debt. I've never paid myself more than 20 grand in a year as an owner of flat tail, you know? So it was kind of like, I got a couple of herniated discs and, uh, and a lot of debt out of 10 years of working a hundred hours a week. And at first, that was the motivation to never go back to it. And then that kind of turned into the motivation to do it all over again, but differently. Okay. And uh, I also had a lot of really good friends that just kept on me and wouldn't let me apply at Texaco. Uh, so-
0: <laughs> I mean, it would be kind of a waste, man, because you do make good beer. And it just, what do you think that now that all that's behind you, what do you think was the sort of the reason you didn't move forward far
1: enough with flat. What happened? Well, the things I will talk about. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it came down to branding. You know, we, when we started flat tail, I think because the industry has changed so much, so many times over the last decade, people (laughs) forget that in, in 2010, we still had to convince people to try craft beer, you know, even in Oregon, uh, it wasn't like people walked into a bar and there were 20 IPAs and five other beers worth drinking on tap at all times. It was like you had Coors, Coors Light, Bud, Bud Light, Miller, Miller Light. There would be 10 handles dedicated to different versions of the same shitty macro lager. You know, that's the, that's the era that we sort of launched in. And so our, our founding ethos was like, let's make crazy experimental boundary pushing beers in a football-themed sports pub. Yeah. And the the goal was to draw people in that wouldn't normally drink craft beer and expose them to awesome craft beer. And then after, like, two to three years, you know, more people were drinking craft beer than macro lager in the state. And suddenly having a football college-themed sports bar with, you know, a no-boil African kola nut cherry... (laughs) sour it didn't really make a whole lot of sense because no. people you know come in wanting to drink the sours or you know some 100% wheat oak smoked grotzer and then they'd be like why why is there black and orange on all the walls and like I don't feel comfortable <laughs> uh, and for me it was it was strange too because I've always well not always I've been into sports since I was in high school but the sports I've been into have been like rock climbing and motorcycle racing and stuff like that, rugby, that, you, you know, no one in Oregon or anywhere else in the United States gives two fucks about any of those sports. So it was this brand at odds. You know, you walked into the building and it, it didn't make sense. And I think that really bled through into our, our package branding and into just the overall perception of Flat Tail as a brewery. You know, we, you can go on untapped and our GABF gold medal winning American sour has like a 3.4 rating. I couldn't, I couldn't sell that beer to save my life. You know, we, we beat the rare barrel, love you, Jay. We beat Jester King in these categories year after year after year with a 5.9922 of a live mixed culture series of sours. And we couldn't sell it. You know, we, we'd offer half barrels at 200 bucks of these beers and and we'd be sitting on 30 barrels for six months
0: i remember that story man you were telling i think you even told it on the show first or whatever and i i I couldn't believe it that makes no sense but then also you sort of can like doing the show for long enough you sort of understand a little bit about how fickle the industry can be um but that was the first time that i had proof firsthand that jbf metals really don't Sell beer as much as we think that they do.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it sells beer for brands that are established and trendy. Um, you know, I, I think if I won a medal now, it would mean more than the five that I want at Flat Tail. Yeah, uh, hands down. And it could be like a bronze and cream ale. It doesn't <laughs> matter.
0: No, it doesn't matter at all. <laughs>
1: So your
0: friends pushed you back into it, which is good. Like I said, you make good beer, man. You know, you know your way around the industry. You know, you know what to do. Uh, no, not great, but it's good. It's good for braising certain meats in. Um, you know, slug Lamb, bait. Especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but don't drink it. So, new spring. That's your that's your new brand. Tell me a little bit about that. How'd you get to that? How'd you get to that? Uh, very positive. Outlooky uh, you know position in your life, a lot of yoga, I guess
1: yeah, I still can't touch my toes. Um, I've been meaning to try that yoga thing nice. for a while uh, no it it was a combination of overall theme, which was this kind of rebirth this like i've been so through so much fucking shit at this point in my life that I, I really, really just wanted a brand that focused on this is new, this is something different. And not just from a branding and packaging point, but from the way I'm approaching beer styles I brew. And also for me personally, like just kind of signifying, this isn't the last 13 years of my life in this industry. This is now, it's starting over. And uh, I've always been a big spring and summer person. I hate it when it's dark out. I don't mind the cold and rain and all that, but I just hate darkness. And this thought of like this kind of blooming into this new chapter in my life uh, and also the fact that the first 27 names I came up with had already been trademarked. Um, yeah. That's what got us there.
2: Well, I feel like embracing the positivity is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, obviously you've been through a lot, like just, just turning the page and saying, Hey, I'm moving forward and I'm moving forward in a positive way. That's gotta be, it's
1: gotta be uplifting. It's been a game changer. Um, I mean, I I know everyone knows me as like the salty old fuck, even when I was 22. But it's it's strange and wonderful and also a little bit weird to to for the first time sort of feel again like I did when I was that young brewer who thought JP and Justin and Bevo were like the coolest people in the world. And not just some douchebags that I used <laughs> to hang out with before a viral pandemic shut the world down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and Beth. and it's it's awesome because I'm stoked to brew. I'm stoked to be here. You know, today's a, a perfect example. Like, I, it's one of those days where like everything goes right and you're in the groove and you're hitting all your marks. That was not today. It <laughs> was the exact opposite of that. Uh, I came in to a pump that was not leaking yesterday, that was leaking. I came in to a gasket that blew out on the bottom of my hot liquor tank. So I had to dump all of my hot water, refill it, heat it back up, instantly two and a half hours behind. Then I had to rebuild the pump seal and head gasket. So like I'm gonna be here till midnight and then I have to be at Yaha's by 9 a.m. tomorrow for a meeting and a brew prep. And then I brew over there on Wednesday and one year ago, two years ago, this would have been one of the shittiest fucking days ever, but you know what? I'm making beer. So life doesn't suck that bad. And it's just, it's been a major paradigm shift for me. Hmm. Uh, And it's, I'd like to say it's about more than just that the new brand has been really successful out of the gate but it's all of that. It's, it's starting over. It's the support from friends, the support from fans, especially you know BN listeners have been emailing me uh, oh. suicide watch style for like eight months now. Nice thank man. You <laughs> to everyone who reached out, whether <laughs> I remember to respond or not. Seriously, that meant a lot. Uh, I, I feel good, and I'm really really excited about this project and everything going forward. Good. Well, and and
0: I don't want to you know really dig too far deep, but it is sort of. I don't know. To me, that's the, the interesting story is is the rebound back because it is a rebound. It's you know, it you you have gone through this sort of Greek tragedies worth of events, and then now you're coming back. You're you're arcing back into in, into you know uh, something you have control over and something that's very positive, or whatever. But when you when you first approach your wife about that um, as your partner, right? How does how did she respond to that? Did she, was she like, dude, stop? You're killing yourself. Like, let's just whatever or was she goosing you yeah. forward?
1: Um, we'll call him a little we'll column B. Okay. Uh, you know, I know I, I've talked about that in the past and how one of the worst parts of this whole nightmare has been dragging Emma through yeah. because, you know, she's a, a passionate teacher. She's like one of those Disney teachers. That's always smiling and jumping around the room, getting kids excited. And, and owning a brewery was never her dream. So to have it go down in flames so horrendously, and then couple that with the fact that, you know, it's hard to get kids stoked about being fit and being in control of their health at a young age when you're trying to get them to do that from a computer screen. <laughs> right. You know, I, I'd be working from home in the office and I'd hear her doing, you know, squats and push-ups right. and jumps and jogging in place and all this stuff on TV, shouting at her kids, trying to get them motivated. And she's working her ass off, knowing that at 5 p.m. we have to talk about the fallout of this closed business. And uh, so it it was really hard. I won't pretend like the past, you know, eight, nine months haven't been the hardest of both of our lives. But there was a big shift when when all of this input from friends and advice, you know, I didn't do this by myself. I've been asking industry cohorts every step of the way. and, And that was another big difference is I've always been the kind of guy that said, if I can't do it all by myself, I'm not going to do it, you know, and I don't need your help because you're busy and I'm not wasting your time. I need to figure this out on my own because it's my fucking fault that I am where I am and shifting my view on that and saying, no, I have this amazing network of, you know, leaders in the industry that are some of my best friends. Why am I not using that? Why am I not reaching out and asking them for input? You know, what do you think about this branding? What do you think about this idea? And uh, so once I started getting involved and uh, Emma was able to kind of see the progress in a very different way than it has been before and see me excited for the first time in a long, long time, she started getting excited.
0: Okay.
1: And you know, the teacher, she's off for three months out of the year. Uh, So she's excited to, you know, start working for the brewery for the first time and really actually be a part of the brand too. You know, she's, right there Jean-a-lay on the, uh, the branding uh-huh. there, huh? Nice. Yep. You know, I think we were both nervous, obviously going into <laughs> it, excited, <laughs> yeah. much more positive than we thought we would be, but also nervous because you never know, you know, if we had canned that first batch and gotten three orders, that would have been real hard. Mm. But when we're sold out of everything in the first 10 days and we've got the next batch practically sold out before it's even canned, it was like, Oh shit. Like we, this is we actually made something work this time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you 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 have a uh, thing going right now that people are yeah, yeah excited for. Why so do you think that is? I mean, I'm, I'm not, it not. It sounds like a an insult, but it's not. Like, is it is it because it's a new brand? Is it because of the branding? Is it because of uh, people like you, or or they just now decided to to give you money? Like, what?
1: Why do you think you're successful yes. now with this? Um, I, I think it's all of those things. I, I do think the branding is, is probably one of, if not the biggest single factors, uh, our branding at flat Tail sucked.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you're saying it because here's a list real, that I have really all of these bad. notes I mean, of every, we're going to go through every label. I'm going to tell you what was wrong. No, I'm kidding. I
1: don't know. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah.
0: It'll uh, be helpful with yeah. all of them.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's something you, you can't just like have shitty labels for 10 years and then have a good label and have it all be fixed. <laughs> so getting that fresh start was a huge part of it. We've always had good community support, but that, you know, that conflicting kind of ethos that we talked about earlier made it hard to, to get the unilateral support that you need to, to really build and maintain momentum. You know, we'd have some releases like our, our El Guapo, the cucumber habanero Lime blonde every summer. People would go ape shit over that. And then they'd go back to uh, two stars on this colch that spent eight weeks in tank. Uh, so I think the branding was big. Um, one of the biggest comments that I've gotten from bars and bottle shops that I've been selling beer to for over a decade now yeah. was thank God you finally have a fucking package to match what's inside of it. Yeah. And a lot of accounts are, are really hand-selling this because we've had relationships for a long time and because they're able to now. It, it's super hard to convince someone, hey, check out this beer. It's got all these metals, It's awesome. And, yeah, the label looks like it was made in MS Paint, but just don't look at that. Just pour it into a glass. Well, <laughs> it, like people eat with their eyes. They drink with their eyes, too. Yeah. Um, I so mean, being able to-
0: even Anchor Steam just just revamped their label. Did You guys hear about that? Yeah, I think it looks cool. It's different. I'm not sold on it, but there is something that is kind of like nostalgic about that old Anchor Steam. But if a company like Anchor Steam, you know, can can has to feel it, they have to rebrand in order to 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 yeah. regain a foothold or whatever. Um, makers of Coastal
1: Common and Brownie Brittle. Oh wait, no, that was full sale. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of either of those <laughs> things, man. Did, did Anchor Steam get acquired by someone? They
0: did, and then I they think by uh, a couple Saburo, of times, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think so anymore. I don't know. It's hard to say because you also see like some of these really old school, what like Portland Brewing Company or whatever just went out of business or whatever. So if you don't adapt and you don't do that, you're, you're going to die anyway, but maybe the, maybe the, the step is to
1: understand that first and get out ahead of it. Sure. Absolutely. And you know, that's, that's why as we were coming up with this branding and everything, there were a lot of ideas that I had, that I think would have worked as an exciting, cool new brewery, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the ability to go the distance like this one does. And not having to completely reinvent the wheel every time I come out with a new beer, changing a color and a background, <laughs> uh, very simple style names, you know, no yeah. more puns on every single beer I produce. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, little things like that. I think people are like, oh. How's it? I can be a little professional too. I can be presidential too, JP. We can <laughs>
2: yeah. how? How is ever everybody- something to be said for simplicity?
0: Yeah, for sure. How are we gonna have a little chuckle in the beer aisle now? You know,
1: well, we we still can. It just you know will be about someone else's douchey pun. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, man.
0: Well, I like to see it, man. I'm 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 really happy for you. You sent me the pics, and you talked to me a little bit about it, and I uh, I I feel very good for you. Uh, and Emma, you know, moving forward okay, and doing all this, so um, you know, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, right? We've got a hazy coming out in a oh. month. So, all right, well, yeah, <laughs> right, that's it. So, Dave is off the air now. No, I'm kidding. Um, so then, what was the timing with with going to uh to the, you're at Calpuya right now? Yeah, I, I'm okay.
1: in the brewery right now. What's I'm the time? What's th- brewing right now?
0: Nice. What's the timing with launching the beer brand and being in Calipuya? Were you going to do the,
1: the beer brand first or partner with Kalapuya first? So, well, like I said, originally it was just supposed to be an AP. Um, I yeah. did volunteer to help out.
0: Uh, but was it going to be under the, the Flat Tail brand or this new brand?
1: Oh, no, no. It, it was from the get-go. The idea was to start a whole new brand. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Reviving Flat Tail was never going to happen. And, and yeah. a lot of people are bummed about that. And I get it. You know, that that part of my life had a lot of positives too. Sure. Kind of. Um, you I know, mean, and I mean, that's that's where I, for the most part, built my name. That's where uh, I learned how to be the brewer that I am now. So yeah. letting that die is definitely hard. It was emotional. But at the same time, I, how do I move forward if I have this vestige of everything behind me yeah that I'm clinging to you know uh, there's no way to make a clean start while you hold on to the same shit that you just finished finishing
2: I, oh. I think a lot of people are gonna understand that's part of your that's part of your backstory you know that if they knew you there it's like they know you're bringing the good parts forward just in a
1: different Absolutely. way and and that's a that's a big part of it too is you know I, I'm still the same Dave. Uh, while, while I am bringing some new techniques in and brewing styles that I never brewed before at Flat Tail, I'm the same brewer. But the other thing is, you know, we just, Flat Tail was 202 Southwest 1st Street. It, it was. So much of that pub was the people that had been coming in and sitting at the bar for 10 years. Ugh. 10 years is a long time to have the same bar top and the same people sitting there every day. Yeah. And there, there's no way to separate the building, the location, the community, uh, from the brand. And I think it would really cheapen everything that we did do right there and the community that we built there by saying, okay, we're just going to put it somewhere else. Um, so Flattail's gone. It's done. It's dead. Uh, and that's okay because there's something new and it's very different. You know, I don't have a restaurant. I don't have a pub. I have I have no interest in doing that <laughs> part of the business ever again. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. managing 35 employees from the kitchen to front of house to managing management and then also making beer uh, alone and packaging all the beer alone in the brewery. While I'm not necessarily working fewer hours right now, it's definitely very different. Are you paying yourself? Are you making a little money? Yes, I I do get paid
0: now. See, that's all that matters, man. That's so cool. I mean, and you know, you told me that the other day, and I'm like, wow, you haven't really been a brand very long, and you're already getting paid. And that it's actually something you need to do
1: in this business. I mean, a lot of people
2: don't do it, and then you end up, you know, suffering.
1: For yeah. years. Yeah. Trust me, I, I know something about this. I get paid more working at the brewery I don't own, but I do get sure. paid working at the brewery that I do own. Sure. So, right.
0: <laughs> So you're winning on both sides, baby. Exactly. Double. Um, let me take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to start opening some beer and uh, talk a little bit about New Spring beers, what you're doing over at and, uh, you and know, all that kind of fun stuff. Okay? Awesome. All right. Everybody, turn the pump off. Yeah, turn the pump off. It's the session. Hang on, everybody. We're going to be right back. Segmented. demented, fermented, fermented.
2: It's the session.
0: Hey, thanks for hanging on, everybody. This is the session. We are with Dave, formerly from Flat Tail, but now from New Spring Brewing. Hi, Dave.
1: Hey, JP. Hi, buddy.
0: Um, We cracked your uh, Cherry Almond Imperial Porter. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Tell me a little about this beer, please.
1: So, uh, this beverage starts with a base malt, Simpsons Golden Promise, one of my favorite malts in the world. It's got a really dirty, earthy, nutty character to it. I get lots of Honey Nut Cheerios, um, along with that kind of traditional English earthiness. And then... um, Drew some cues actually from JP's oatmeal stout oh. uh, I used light chocolate malt in this beer. just a tiny, tiny hint of rolled oats, flaked barley, um, lots of Carafa special three, a little bit of dark chocolate malt. So really kind of, I, I generally stray away from using more than two or three specialty malts. Mm. But for this one, I did want to really drive a lot of specific malt flavors. I wanted some fruity flavors to boost the, uh, the cherry without having it be an over-the-top artificial cherry beer. So a little bit of special B went in to do that. I wanted mm. it to have a super milk chocolatey background with the light and dark chocolate malts, particularly yeah. light chocolate malt to me, gives a like chocolate milk kind of chocolateiness. Me too,
0: dude, the pale chocolate. And I remember years ago, someone was like, well, it doesn't really taste like chocolate. I'm like, well, no, it doesn't taste like chocolate, but it's reminiscent of like bitter chocolate. Yeah. Like like eighty percent cacao, aromatic-y. yeah, right, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And you you if you can combine that with some softer malt, uh, a little bit of residual sweetness in there, you can get that sort of milky, chocolatey thing, which is what you achieved here.
1: Absolutely. Lovely. Um, and then one hundred and fifty pounds of almonds through the mill into the mash. Oh, wow. Yep, uh, fermented with So four, so an English ale strain. Uh, I always, on my big beers, like to start temperatures really cool around 64, 65, Mm -hmm. pitch the crap out of it and let it free rise uh, up to about 68. And then once the fruit goes in, turn that jacket up to 72, it almost never gets there. But I I really don't want the jacket turning on uh, during that last stage of fermentation. So primary, 65 with a free rise to 68. And then it uh, ended up at around 69.70 nice. max. During the summer, that'd be a little higher. Uh, just over 80% attenuation, finishes at 1014, starts at 1080 something. Um <laughs> the uh, And then I also, on brew day, I pull off about 20 gallons of wort and boil it up with brown sugar and almond flour. Uh, before boiling it, though, what I do is I take the almond flour and I add a bunch of uh, mash enzyme. Hmm. And yeah, to convert the almond starch into sugar as much as possible. Okay. And then reduce the crap out of it. So essentially, I'm making like an almond syrup or almond caramel out of wort, brown sugar, and almond flour. And that goes directly into secondary fermentation, along with uh, just over 300 pounds of, or 350 pounds, almost a pound per barrel of dark sweet cherry puree from Oregon Fruit. Wow.
0: Jeez, dude. Did you take a breath during that
1: or what? It was just rattling off of like. Uh, The the water chemistry is important too. I I use a lot of chalk, which is hard to get into suspension in the boil. Um, But the reason I use chalk is to soften that roastiness. And then also in the syrup, there's a fair amount of additional chalk and a little bit of calcium. Reason being all of that cherry puree it's really hard to get cherry flavor out of actual cherries in a dark beer, without getting a super astringent, uh, acidic mm. kind of end product. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to have that much chalk in for the primary because I don't want the starting the fermentation pH all through primary to be out of whack. So I throw a little extra chalk in with that syrup that goes in after primary started, um, along with the cherries to balance out the added acidity of the cherries, uh, and I think. It definitely, to me, has a very Venice mid palate, uh, kind of like cherry wine, if you've ever made that at home. Mm -hmm. But I think any more cherry and you end up getting tart, astringent. And as soon as you have anything astringent or overly acidic on the palate in a beer with this much roasted, I think it also boosts the acridness. And kind of destroys that that silky, creamy, chocolatey palate that the almonds really boost to.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so that chalk is sort of your buffer for that. Yeah. Do you, is there a, a calculation that you did or just did it by taste? Or you said, that's probably yeah, enough. like 10
1: years ago, I did that math.
0: Okay. So you know, you have your own like thing.
1: Yeah, you, you like you fill the cup up to here, not here. <laughs> oh, got it. Okay, <laughs> all right. And you're,
2: and you're but just, you're here. targeting kind of a, you're targeting a little bit higher pH at the end. Is that?
0: Uh, Peter in the chat, uh, Peter Munoz, what's up, Peter? Um, says, uh, don't almonds have oil? So you added the whole almonds Go in. hops. Well, yeah, but I mean, okay. So you're say what you're what you're saying in the uh, Dave way is not that. It's not an issue and the oil breaks down. I mean,
1: people are literally adding hop oil directly to the beer. Hop oil is oil. Yeah, but isn't it different,
0: though, because it's like extruded and uh, I'm assuming that it's water-soluble, the
1: the hop oils. I mean, sure. If I were doing like 500 pounds of almonds, Mm. that might be an issue. Um, Part of the reason I use the almond flour is because it has a little bit less – residual oil content after being dried and, and everything else as well. Uh, but this is, this is a beer that I, I made for the first time in 2008, I think, um, as a homebrew and it was, a a Cali common yeast with a low ABV Porter and cherries and almonds. So I've done a lot of homebrew batches of this in the early stages. And back then I was definitely concerned about the oil because it made sense. Yeah. Uh, pretty logical. Thing to think of. Um, But it it never was a huge issue unless you just almond did did the fuck out of it. Um, (laughs) So dialed back the alms a little bit, came up with that new process. And the other thing I do with this for both mouthfeel and to kind of preserve the head, even with some presence of oil, um, is I partially nitrogenate it. Mm. Uh, A lot of people think that in order to use nitrogen to positively affect a product. It has to be a, a nitro beer. That's bullshit. Nitro is awesome. You can add you know one volume of nitrogen as a baseline and then carbonate it to where you'd normally carbonate it. And you're going to get mouthfeel out of the nitrogen that's in solution yeah. in that beer. And it's also going to give you much tighter bubbles. Nitrogen is really hard to force out of solution once it's into solution. So when you have nitrogen in a beer like this, even though you know, this is packaged at like 2.3 volumes in tank. So in the can, we're talking 2.1 relatively out of a wild goose canning line. And I opened this right when the show started and you can still see those slow bubbles. And those slow bubbles, a lot of that is nitrogen slowly coming out of a solution keeping that head alive even though the beer has got oil from the almonds full of fruit uh, so it's going to be low protein
0: the, you know that is a good point because you know like i said before the show i popped my can on accident so this can has been sitting open for an hour and there's still it looks just like yours like when you held your glass up it looks the same if not better because i just imagine my beer is always better than yours but Um, so there's no,
2: that's really, that's really interesting. I always thought that, uh, you know, if you're going to do nitron cans, you had to like put the nitrogen in the can and like go through that process, but you actually just carved the beer with CO2 and, and nitrogen and then canned
1: it. Yeah.
2: You're still hanging
1: on to a little of that. If you want to get the, the cascading effect, the waterfall, you have to either have, you know, the widget or you have to, uh, dose it with liquid nitrogen. Right, that pressure. And then you have to shake the shit out of it before you pour it, uh, pour it if it's just dosed. And that again is because nitrogen's so hard to get out of solution. I mean, when you think about what a nitro faucet is, it's a normal faucet with a tiny disc full of, of pinpricks in it. And the beer is forced right. through those teeny tiny holes. The whole point is that the nitro stays in solution, but that forces the CO2 out of solution mm-hmm. and gives you that cool looking waterfall. So if our goal is not to uh, force CO2 out of solution, but rather just have uh, a blended gas in solution for both the mouthfeel and the head retention, then we don't have to worry about that cascade effect or anything we need to do in order to get it. And it also allows you to have a little bit more of perceived gas levels uh, without getting that sparkly prickly uh, mouthfeel that to me just destroys dark beers.
0: Well, thank you for that. First of all, because I hate you that shit so with dark well beers, done. man. Like, you know, you you can there's some I've had some really great dark beers before, but they have that acrid, they have that prickly thing and it's just it's on the edge and it's it's just far it's like a a scratch on your glasses. You know, yeah. like when I'm thinking about it now cuz I have one right on my right on my line of sight, like right on my pupil and I can't fucking stop. I can't stop. Or like a a scratch on your soft palate, right? Where you yeah, like I've can't had a stop first fucking it.
1: winter in my long johns since six o'clock this morning <laughs> and I'm just about ready to cut one of the legs off. So yeah, I, I, I exactly right.
0: It's just it's it's like this is really enjoyable, but just that thing out there sucks. Um, that's really cool, man, with the um, um, uh, nitrogen, man. I like that. It's Ooh. a good beer. I don't really get a whole lot of almonds though. So I have two questions. Number one, have you tried doing it without the almonds and just doing the almond powder And number two, what are you getting from the almonds that you're not getting from the almond powder? Yes. Thank you. Can we move on now? Yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) I've never done this on a commercial scale uh, prior to this batch. Okay. I'm definitely going to up the the mash almonds on the next round. It it has, uh, to me, I get a little bit of like an almond liqueur hint on the nose and at the very end of the finish. It is very subtle for sure. I'm very happy with the base beer. Uh, but I do want to up the perceived almond character a little bit. I don't think I can up the amount of cherry without adding an essence or an extract um, without ruining the palate overall. The almond I yeah. do want to up because I think it'll actually continue to improve the mouthfeel without adding sweetness. And I would like a little bit more almond. Um, what I've done in the past is actually use noyo. To get the almond flavor the problem is noyo is extremely hard to make by hand you what have to it? so noyo is basically uh the original amaretto was not made with almonds it was made with this, the kernels of stone fruit particularly apricots okay so if you take the pit out of an apricot and you crush it open with a nutcracker what's inside is called a bitter almond it looks just like an almond but it comes from stone fruit and if you roast it and soak it in booze, you get amaretto. Okay, and it oh. has an extremely intense aromatic almond liqueur uh, quality to it. When we did our first, uh, we did a collaboration with a, the web comic Cyanide and Happiness mm-hmm. at uh, Flat Tail called Cyanide and Hoppiness. Yeah, good the, pun. The pun was yeah. that it did technically have trace amounts of cyanide because we used noyo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To get, Enough noyo just to have the the tiniest of flavor impacts. I paid an intern to uh, crush apricot pits after we, you know, de-apricotted them Mm -hmm. for 18 hours. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Over two (laughs) shifts. he was basically just sitting there with a nutcracker and and a bottomless beer cracking apricot kernels for two days straight. Um, And he wanted to murder me good and hard after that. And we got just enough to maybe kind of sort of taste it. So it's, that's not a process that I want to do again, other than for a barley wine I'm making, that's going to make Chris Rogers real happy. Um, But that's (laughs) another story. Anyway, so uh, I think I'm going to start by increasing the amount of almonds in the mash. Okay. The almond syrup was cool. And I think it added a little bit, but uh, the like third degree burn to flavor ratio was was a little <laughs> higher than I want. For practice, I'm going to do more than once,
0: yeah, I feel like you're you're sort of an at risk person, anyways. Why would you pull no. some? So the the, the only al- way I know, yeah. Well, wh- why don't I just do the almond flour? Do you really think that you get something from adding like whole like crushed almonds in the mash? I don't know why I'm beating this topic to death
1: because yeah, it's, it's really can, interesting. I don't know why. You can definitely taste the almonds in the world, okay, uh, for sure. And one of the things I've noticed is as you know, even though this beer is only. 19 days old, uh, wow. the almond aromatics have dropped off a cliff for sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I think I'm getting swallowed up by uh, because it's an English yeast and there are a lot of fruity esters, and then the cherry has, has that real deep cherry wine character to it. I think the subtleness of uh, the almonds is the first to go as the, mm. the generally perceived fruitiness climbs up. So I think if I increase the almonds and keep everything else the same, that'll linger a little bit longer. At least that's the goal. Okay. Well, I think it's good, man. I
2: almost want you to put the almonds in a hotback or something. (laughs) Right. Have have the wort go through them on the way to the fermenter.
1: Yeah. uh, The only thing I'm worried about with that is starch is a big concern for me with the almonds. But I guess if I enzymed the almonds first. Mm. Enzyme, starch. Yeah, something like that. I, I like where you're going, though. <laughs> I, I could first work nut the beer. Yes. <laughs> first nut, baby.
2: <laughs> first, first nut.
0: Yeah. Yep. Take that. That's that flat tail, uh, you know, comedy coming right zip in, <laughs> man. You me, baby.
2: <laughs> you, can t- you can take the flat tail out of Dave, but you can't take the... <laughs> something or else. Or maybe oh, the other God. way. I don't know.
0: Yeah. You can put the first nut in the wart, but you can't take the wart out of the first nut.
1: I don't yeah. like where it's
0: going. No, neither do I. Once uh, a nut, always a
2: nut. <laughs> that's right.
0: Oh, um, nice. What are we drinking next, Teresa? I'm I'm letting Teresa to dictate. Uh, so we have a double IPA, and imperial stout left, which is uh, first of all, you you didn't send me anything that I would enjoy
1: drinking, and I don't like. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, you did I did have purpose. a pilsner for you. And then I kind of forgot to bring it home from Yaha's. Uh,
0: (laughs) So I got all the beers today and I'm looking through. I'm like, wow, there's two four packs. Dave hooked it up. We're going to have a long night. It's going to be great. And then Teresa's like, well, I don't know. I mean, there's a double IPA or a stout or this porter. I'm like, well, I mean, did I get different beer now? So I'm pulling them out. No, I got three double IPAs.
1: I I meant to ship Teresa more double IPA. Mm Mm-hmm. I got not. your double IPA, got, Teresa. Dave, thank you.
2: I'm cool. so psyched. I got all these beers.
0: Um, I'm not. I have, have mine.
2: I have a four-pack of this new okay. spring uh, 2X I- IPA.
0: Yeah, yeah. Teresa got four. I got three. I'll drink I'll- water, and it's a 32-ounce can for you now. Oh, I do have a lot of seltzer water. Hell yeah, dude. I'm gonna turn this I'm gonna turn this I'm gonna turn this sixteen ounce can into five session IPAs, dude. It's gonna be great.
1: I don't Hello. make four filter anymore, thank you. That was a dark dirt of my life. I don't need to go back there. You don't do seltzer anymore. Well, I might make seltzer. Yeah, so <laughs> is seltzer so I'm still currently at this moment brewing seltzer? That's beer. Is seltzer still dominant? The
0: dominant, not dominant, but uh, you know, double uh, hazy, hazy IPAs I don't think are dominant. It's going anywhere right away? No.
2: Oh, people are loving their seltzer. It's our yeah. number three beer. It's your
0: Number three. So we oh, figured
2: out it's the number three beer. That's, I guess, that's my question. You make seltzer
0: too? Has it? Has it oh, tapered? Uh, yeah,
2: I went into the dark side quite some time yeah. ago. Right. But well, you and i should talk it, seltzer because i love i love our seltzer because it's it's like not totally shameful it's pretty <laughs> good
1: are you fermenting it i assume oh yeah sugar based. Mm-hmm. have you seen the new uh or actually has california done what the olcc just did and decided that cane sugar is is not malt again no, no, yeah. no. What is that you mean? See, see, decided that uh, the winter of 2020 take two would be a good time to make all of the cane sugar seltzers in Oregon questionably legal. Oh, my gosh. Good job, guys. That's
2: silly. So yep, that's funny. That
1: sounds like a
0: backtrack.
2: We're yeah. like, we want to make you make seltzer that doesn't taste good. So here we go. Right. We're going to. Yeah. Uh, no, I California was, didn't do that. Thank goodness.
0: Yeah.
1: We did a really slow, cold uh, cane sugar ferment with a wine yeast and then, you know, fruit puree and uh, Mm -hmm. didn't filter, but did fine. It was actually a super long tank time product. Hmm. I spent six to eight weeks in tank. Jeez. And it came out. Yeah, it it came out. um, I actually enjoyed. I, I did a raspberry lime. They were all 8%. So they were big, high ABV seltzers. No.
2: That's why that's why we got to talk because we figured out a way to do it like,
1: and it doesn't yeah. taste like shit. And It doesn't I, taste like shit. It tastes pretty freaking good. I played around with a ton of different yeast strains. We started with EC eleven eighteen, um, and that had a wonderful flavor profile, but it just took so long. And then we tried the strain that Ninkasi uses, but the the problem is they you know charcoal filter. And we didn't. Mm. Read it, so uh, it just. Yeah, I, I don't um,
2: charcoal filter.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I don't like throwing bags of charcoal in my break tank.
2: Um, no, that's crazy. <laughs> that.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's <laughs> me. Um, and then we ended up finding uh, something, something 23. I think it was a mead yeast, was the one I settled on. Um, and then changed up the nutrients a lot, got away from DAP and went with an organic nutrient. And that helped a lot. But by the time we started really dialing it in, you know, it was 2020. So, yeah. Well, and what's the the problem with
0: seltzers? Because they do sound hard to make and it doesn't seem like they should because it's sugar and fucking water.
2: So, I mean, the biggest the biggest problem is that sugar doesn't have any nutrients that you need to have. So Mm -hmm. that's that's. For us, that's been the key. Like, you need to supply the nutrients on a much higher level than you would think, and then you need to really make sure they get incorporated into the wort, and then the yeast can ferment as normal. Okay. But you you need to well the yeah the sugar water the sugar water, right. the, the sugar water. <laughs> yeah, yeah but the but it's so important to get the yeast to ferment out nicely and to mm-hmm. choose the right strain that's really neutral in flavor, or else you end up with something that tastes like. Super weird. We've kind of settled on a yeast strain that makes ours taste a little bit like white wine, like a really boring white wine. Mm. And But that kind of, like, once you put the fruit on top of it, it incorporates pretty well. So it's just, you know, I mean, seltzers are here to stay. So for me, the the joy is to, like, try to figure out how to do it better and quicker and easier and have it, like, just... Taste that much better. Have you tried – You know, it's not everyone's thing, but –
0: Have you tried, like, weirder sugar, like Demerara sugar? I use a lot of Demerara sugar making, like, syrups for my tiki drinks. I wonder if, like – I
2: haven't. Not for a seltzer. Because,
0: like, a darker, sugary, you know, with that kind of, like, non-fermentable, you know, get the coloring or whatever, the the flavoring. The
1: problem with fermenting any large amount of molasses Mm – uh is you end up getting a really burning rubber kind of character out of it uh you know i i I actually like (laughs) brewing dark beers with molasses but Mm -hmm. you just have to do it very sparingly because it immediately goes to metallic um i mean like a five gallon bucket of molasses will ruin a 15 barrel batch of beer like that because it tastes like pennies instantly, and if sure. you use too much, you start going to burning rubber and matches. But
0: demerara uh, sugar has, I mean, it, it it's a little bit on there, but it's you know, I think I wonder if the
1: balance would be fine. A hundred percent demerara, maybe not a hundred percent, but to two percent yeah. molasses, it's got to be close. Would be my thought. Okay. I've never fermented straight um, brown sugar. I'd be down to try it. Well, it's different. Uh, Demerara
0: and brown sugar are different.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not a sugar expert. Excuse me. Well, Um, My first accidental foray into seltzer-ish was not making a cachaça wash at my house because that would be illegal to distill things at home, and I don't do that. Hmm. Um, But I was fermenting (laughs) some uh, cane sugar. and. Got it up to about 21, 22%. And one of the things that struck me uh, was that this was really just meant to be a wash. But I don't like doing anything with distillers yeast because distillers yeast is trash. It's it's meant to make things fast with no regard to flavor. And I know people say that all of the flavor is distilled away. Well, if all of the volatiles were distilled away, pot stills wouldn't exist and neither would scotch. So I refuse to believe that a shitty distiller's yeast ferment on something that's not going to be ran <laughs> through a reflux column 20 times and filtered right. through, you know, charcoal isn't going to have impact. Right. So I, I did this ferment over a very long period of time with multiple wine yeast strains, uh, racking it off the lease and back on fresh pitches over and over again. Got it up to a really high degree of attenuation and very high alcohol. And when I was tasting it, I realized, like, th- this doesn't taste awful like this is kind of cool it's this like cane wine um yeah. and it had a lot of the flavors you get out of a good cachaça <clears throat> and at the time you know it was just like well what am I going to do start making sugar wine what the fuck would you call that and then five years later we have hard seltzer and I'm thinking oh my god the things oh, I would like. go <laughs> back your to wine <laughs> time and make a commercial <laughs> batch of this stuff that was fermenting on top of my dryer in my laundry room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if sort
1: of, You know, like, like Teresa is saying, when you use a wine yeast, yeah, you can make it taste like, like a decent wine. Um, we did a strawberry lemonade seltzer that tasted like white zin. That sounds pretty good, yeah, bro. Example of a decent wine, but yeah. the college kids loved it. <laughs>
0: I was gonna say like yeah, imagine you were the first place to put on a hard seltzer in a college bar. On
1: draft on- in Oregon, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That would have yeah. been amazing. We sold the shit out of you know, No, no, I mean you are talking about half barrels of eight oh. percent draft seltzer. Eight percent It was a weird time in my life. See, like five percent seltzer,
0: that that sounds great to me. Like I've had a couple where it's like, oh okay, five percent. I see it. I get it. I under I understand seltzer, hard seltzer, more than I understand hazy IPA. <sighs> That's me. I don't know. I'm uh, you know, cool is a I, word for it. I've learned to
1: love smelling hazy IPAs. Sure, we <laughs> could say that, yeah. I really like smelling them. Yeah. And it will never stop being a goal of mine to make a hazy IPA that is so hazy you can't shine a flashlight through it, but has no yeast in suspension that I not just appreciate and value, but want to drink when I get off work. And I'm, I'm hoping it's in the whirlpool right now. We're going to have to turn that oh, sweet. in on the uh, next break. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, to me, a lot of the issues with hazy IPA are not that it is hazy IPA. It's that it was this style that became so popular, no one had time to really root out how to make a good hazy IPA or what a good hazy IPA even is. Uh, right. I can't remember who put it out, but there was an article on, on hazy IPAs and hot burn. Uh, and, you know, how, yeah. yeah, people are making these beers that are so intensely hopped that it literally burns as you're drinking it and like Mm -hmm. i I feel like you can make hazy ipa without doing that and also without having so much yeast in suspension (coughs) that you know you you have to run to the bathroom 15 minutes after your first pint i mean oh god
2: i mean if if your hazy ipa is hazy because of yeast or because of hot particles then you're not
0: yeah, anyway. right. But I right. I mean, I do feel like, and I, I see what you're saying. And, uh, you know, definitely I was on that train of like, this is just awful even before really caring about understanding it. But I feel like that's sort of any new style where like, you know, you had Imperial everything or quad IPAs or Belgian quads or whatever they came or the Belgian IPAs or, you know what I mean? Where people tried to do a thing and it took off and nobody really understood what it was. And then they figured out how to make it. And then with all those other ones, they sort of fell by the wayside after the problem was solved. But hazy IPAs have sort of really drug in the sort of normie beer drinking crowd that that's that is sticking. That's here to stay. Like brute IPA. Where'd that go? People solved Nowhere. the puzzle and then they, that was it. No one cared anymore. It was just a thing to do.
1: Well, that's that's it. You know, how long have we been making Pilsner's and not long enough sure there's been long enough of a history of brewing pilsner and esb that it's pretty easy to say that is or isn't a pilsner or esb yeah you know you you take rar two row and ferment it at 60 degrees with a cali common strain and then hop it with uh willamette and call it a pilsner that's not a pilsner (laughs) but if you take any number of base malts or any number of different hop varieties or any number of different yeast strains you can make a hazy ipa so so maybe the issue isn't so much that it exists it's that we need to start defining it and and i think this (laughs) i think this also goes back to something you and i have both harped on over the years jp which is like Don't call it a West Coast IPA. Don't call it a juicy IPA. Call it a New England style IPA because that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Just like, you know, I I had my 10 year long diatribe against non-Kolsch Kolsch because I was so, so worn out over people saying, you know, well, your Kolsch is okay, but like, it's not hoppy enough. And it's really clear. And like, I had this, you know, Kolsch, uh, out of Hood River that's like cloudy and it's dry hopped with Cascade. It's like, Who cool. <laughs> had a blonde ale?
0: And now, because yeah. all
1: these people dig this blonde ale, they think my Kolsch is not a Kolsch. And it, that kind of stylistic confusion is good for no one. It, it absolutely is detrimental to the industry. But on the flip side, we have to realize that people want to drink these fucking beers. So we either... You know, when Chuckanut starts dry hopping shit with Citra, (laughs) I'll brew a fucking hazy IPA, and I will brew the shit out of it. You know, because that's what people want to drink. So I want to be the best at making that beer, so that people can drink the best example of that beer. Um, You know, I I just had the first ever pastry-style beer that I have enjoyed in my life, and it was a... (laughs) What? No. Uh, I can't do those either, man.
0: I can, That's but, what I, but there's like like a ten percent of those beers, maybe fifteen. I can go, I get a flavor that I enjoy, but the rest of the math, whatever the math is, the, the beer eighty five percent sucks. It just I fucking agree. sucks, and
1: I want to be that ten percent. And you know, I, I used to be. Totally on the same page. Like I'll never fucking brew this style because it's garbage and it's not real beer, and I drink ESBs and Pilsners because I'm an American brewer and I do it right. Um, and then my buddy Stephen from Cold Fire, Stephen and Dan being two of those people that were massively encouraging and instrumental in my, you know, rebirth. Um, they made this beer called Coinamon, and, and it was based on some French pastry that I don't. Understand it's got a bunch of cream or something. Anyway, beer finishes at like I think you said 1024, which is actually somehow like not that sweet for a pastry stout. Okay. But by my standards of brewing, like 1024 is that's a beer that's not finished. That's a beer you need to repitch. Right. And that being on the drier side of pastry stouts, you know, is part of the issue. But when I drink this beer. The first thing was obviously trying to keep an open mind. And the way I went at it was like, I'm not a dessert guy, but I like dessert sometimes. And so thinking about this as the goal of this is to make a drinkable but purposefully sweet beer. And the aroma on this thing, I mean, it was like a a caramel covered vanilla bean Cup mm. with like a pat of shoe on top. I mean, it was just this incredible burst of real vanilla and caramel and all of these wonderful aromas and flavors all soaked in like whiskey. I mean, it just, it smelled wow. amazing. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. And 11%. So it's, it's very high alcohol. You know, I split it with Emma uh, because it, it's not a beer that I want to drink a pint of. But no. <laughs> no. in the sitting of like right after dinner, almost as an aperitif, and as a, a beer that replaced dessert, it was awesome. Hmm. And and that was a big game changer for me because, you know, I, if I can enjoy a pastry stout, yeah, maybe I can learn how to enjoy these other styles. And it doesn't mean that I have to drink hazy IPA every night or yeah. <laughs> make milkshake smoothie sours every month, but it does mean I'm going to play around with it and I guess just be a little more patient with, some of the styles that I, I have not been a big advocate for in the past.
0: <laughs> well, that sounds boring to me. Uh, let's take a, a quick break. Okay? you got to go turn your pump off, gonna... Dave. This is the session. We'll be right back. You're tuned into the session. Because life's
1: too short to listen to the crappy radio.
0: Thanks for hanging on, everybody. Uh, We are back with uh, Dave from New Spring Brewing and uh, Yahats and, uh, you know, maybe something else. I don't really know. We'll talk about that in a second. But I just opened a double IPA and I hate myself. Oh, on the bottom of the cans, it says, same Dave, New Spring. Oh, that's so nice. Can on the sixth. Be baby. a Gary
1: Busey reference, so I'll get back on track. Is it oh, okay? That's right. Yeah. Uh, have you guys watched Gary Busey Pet Judge? Because if you haven't, no. you need to.
0: No, I haven't, man. Oh yeah, I have not.
1: In advance.
2: All my Gary Busey references are from Point Break. I will have to branch out. I don't also. have.
0: A, I don't have any. I feel like I've shortchanged my life. Yeah,
2: yeah, you need to. You need to fix that. I have
0: Cable Guy references and Love Guru references, and that's about it. And like Mr. Sanciator references, Oof. what do you mean? Ugh! First of all, <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> it. I was thinking about it the other day. Reference Cable Guy and The Love Guru are Oof. the top two greatest comedies of my generation. Bold, yeah. Bold oh. statement. All
2: right, tell me about yeah, your. I don't know if I'd hang my my hat on that <laughs> statement.
0: When you're as bald as I am, you don't hang your head anywhere. It stays in your head. (laughs) Tell me about your uh, double IPA here,
1: David. Sixty forty Simpsons Golden Promise, rare two-row. I'm a Golden Promise nut, like I said, but in IPAs, uh, I don't like to use 100% because that earthy nuttiness can kind of get in the way of the hops a little bit. It's mash hopped with Amarillo, and then in the boil, it's about 75% Amarillo, 25% uh, Citra, and then dry hopped with Citra and just a hint of mosaic. And USO5 standard West Coast ale yeast. You're a dry yeast boy. Yeah, um, I used to hate
0: the stuff and then I used it. (laughs) Man, you're learning a lot and I don't like it. You're growing
1: as a person. You're leaving me behind. I don't just hate things because it's easy to anymore. I actually have to have a reason. Um, Yeah, I mean, dry yeast used to be trash. And that, that is a fact. Yeah. Uh, it was really bad for a long time. But a number of, of suppliers have started making excellent dry yeasts. Um, and not in every strain. Uh, I have yet to find, for example, a, a decent Kulsch strain in a dry format. Um, Lalamon sells one, I think it's Lallemand, the the K97. Okay. which they will as uh, suitable for German-style Kolsch or Belgian wit beer.
0: No. What? Well, you know, I, I always repeat this. I think Chris White said it once, I don't know, during the hunt for the, you know, dry yeast centrals. Um, dry yeasts are picked for how well they rehydrate, not necessarily the flavors. So you got to find mm. one that comes back first. Yeah. And then you go, okay, does this match? What, what flavors, you know, profile does this match? So I think that's why it's yeah. really hard that we don't have so many dry. You can't just dry a liquid yeast and, and rehydrate
1: it. Go, okay. There it is. I mean, I, I definitely, uh, USO five when, you know, properly pitched is indistinguishable from Cal Yeah. Um, same with SO four, great double Oh seven replacement. um, I love the S one eighty nine logger strain, the Danish logger. Was he? Was that? Was he the, the DJ
0: on In Living Color?
1: Wait, what?
0: That was SW one. never mind. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I, it was a joke.
1: It was a JP like, joke. Leave me alone. Just keep going. Okay. Right. Anyway, S one eighty nine is great. Uh, the W I think it's twenty four slash seventy something like that. 3470. Yeah. Fine uh, Stefan clone is also awesome. And then, you know, there are a bunch of garbage dry yeast strains out there too, but if you try them and if you get used to how they have to be pitched, some honestly like to be sprinkled on the top of the wort without hydration. Some produce massive phenols if you do that and they have to be rehydrated and, and, you know, dosed in liquid form. But Hmm. either way, um, yeah, we, back in, I think it was 2014, made it to the final round in American pale with a USO five, apa and that was to me like okay well can't suck that bad uh not to mention the when you you know it's a trade-off because do you want to use the appropriate yeast strain for every beer you brew and and not limit what you brew based on what you have at the bottom of your cone or do you want to be a liquid yeast only brewer and you make nothing but west coast ale or english ale because I I want to make lagers and I want to make Belgian beers and I want to make all of this stuff. So, you know, the USO5 strain, uh, I usually get three to five gens out of a dry pitch that costs me 120 bucks, Hmm. as opposed to an $800 pitch that I get the same number of generations out of. And then that means if I want to do a classic Belgian white, like I'm doing in March, I'm going to get the right liquid, East pitch for that because I haven't found a good dry version and I don't care if I spend 500 bucks on a pitch I'm never going to use again because I've you know I've kind of built that into my cost with all of the main beers I'm producing
0: yeah well that makes a lot of sense so a, a Belgian a Belgian wit you're going to do what is it going to be fucking 29% alcohol
1: Oh,
0: uh, really maybe four and a half do you ship to California yeah
1: I'll ship you some thanks man I will <laughs> I will literally buy some from you well you don't have to do that that'd be weird no I want to do it. I'm still not quite used to the making money thing, so.
2: <laughs> do not want to get too crazy? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do we think
0: about this double IPA, Teresa? You talked to me about this. You you brew oh, IPAs. I, I've, I've done it once, and it sucked. This um, is,
2: yeah, it's right up my alley. I really love it. Thank you. Yeah, it is, it is I, very um,
0: dry for a double IPA, is it not? It's <laughs> the
2: right amount of dry. I okay. mean, it, it has to be kind of dry or else it's overly malty. I mean, I, do, do I, you do any uh, dextrose in this? Let me just let me
0: try just it out. a point of clarification. I'm used to double IPAs from like the late '90s, early 2000s, where they were like, "Oh, there's crystal malts. Put a lot of crystal malt in here because we really need a lot of body and some sweetness to really carry through the the, the hops." Oh no,
1: and crystal I have it. And hops yeah. are, are the worst fucking combination in the world. I will take yep. a. Easy IPA any goddamn day of the week over an IPA with caramel malt in it. I mean the the, the like co-oxidative. I don't know if that's a, a word, yeah. but the yep. way caramel malt and hops oxidize together is horrendous. I mean it's like that's how you make cardboard box in a can. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's funny Absolutely. because yeah. I, I keep having people comment about how dry this is, and one of those pieces of advice. I got from a lot of my my brewing friends, mentors, whatever you want to call them, was like, Dave, we know you like all of your beers to be 95% attenuated, but like you you have to stop packaging everything at one Play-Doh or less. <laughs> and so like this was hard for me. I actually mashed above 150 for the first time <laughs> in years. Um, so this finished at 1010, which is Probably the sweetest double IPA I've ever packaged. Though I, I do understand oh that that's not sweet for, for most. I, I yeah. might go up to ten twelve next time.
2: Well, that's that's great. My my eight and a half percent IPA goes to ten oh six. So it's I mean, this is right as it should be. This is where it where it is in for me. <laughs> so. I, think
1: the, I think the golden promise helps it carry the body a little bit yeah. too. Like it allows me to be mm-hmm. a little bit drier than the normal 10, 14, 10, 16. Also, I, uh, the, the new setup with the, the kettle, even though it's the same burner, same kettle, we get a less vigorous boil over here. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm still debating whether or not I want to change that because what it's done on the negative side is uh, I had flat tail. After the first ever batch we did on the the 15 barrel, I never put hops in the kettle before knockout again, ever because our utilization in that kettle was so insane like a, a two pound addition at 30 was like hundred IBUs. It was just beyond belief. We would make bitter beer if we had any any amount of uh, bittering or flavor you know traditional flavor addition. But if we threw it in right at the end of the boil, we still managed to extract a, a decent amount of bitterness, et cetera. In the new location, uh, this is the first time I've done a 15-minute addition, you know, since I was on a, a six-barrel. Um, and I think a lot of the double IPAs these days get a lot of their mouthfeel and that perceived thickness from heavy kettle additions. Um, mm you know, a perfect example for me would be like Sticky Hands from Block 15 is a, a cult classic double IPA. And that's not a super sweet beer, but it it sticks to your tongue. It's mouth coating. You you feel the hop resin when you drink it. And I thought, my guess is that that's because they, they're using far more kettle additions mm-hmm. uh, than I am. And, and you're getting that kind of hot mouth feel more than you can just from Whirlpool and, and dry hop.
0: Well, I think that's what you have here. I mean, you're, you're talking about the feeling the resin and all that kind of shit. That's what I have in my mouth right now. Like I can't get away or from. You hate hops. hops. <laughs> but look, I don't hate hops. I just don't like them a whole lot. I don't like. It, for me, these are fine. Look, beer. The beer's fine. It tastes great. Whatever. But it's just too much alcohol because I want to drink a, a lot of
1: them. for an IPA I have ever gotten from you.
0: I want to drink a lot yeah. of them, but I can't at eight and a half percent. I'm not going to do it. You can, well, yeah. No, I can't drink a lot of them. No, I can't.
1: You and your small child will have more in common by nine PM than you usually do. <laughs> Shitting ourselves.
0: Um, it's good. I like it. Um, it tastes like a West Coast IPA. Um, for me, the it doesn't taste like an eight and a half percent beer. And I don't know if that's what you're going for. I imagine it's what you're oh, going yeah. for, but again, in my mind, double IPAs have a little bit more sweetness, and to hear that this is
1: finished at ten ten is that's pretty wild, man. I think the other part um, about the the lack of perceived sweetness, uh, you know, back on I think the the first or second show I ever did with you guys back in Martinez, mm. uh, yeah, the second show because it's the one where Sean Walletone Alley. Yeah, the wallet phone yeah. night the can of bean dip. Such a right? good – that's such a good uh, statement. Yeah, and I was puking out the window of my truck on Main Street <laughs> from your studio. Drunk on <laughs> Main, dude. <It's> Bye. <laughs> uh, I don't do that anymore. No. Anywho, uh, one of the things I talked about was like in sour beers because the subject was adjuncts in sour and wild ales. And I talked about the barrel as an ingredient. You know, realizing that if your if your beers got Brett or lacto or pedio, but particularly Brett, and it's in a barrel for a year, that barrel is a fermentable ingredient. You're literally, you know, you have a yeast and bacteria set that is going to digest that wood and give you flavor and mouthfeel. And I think we need to realize that uh, hops are also part of that flavor and mouthfeel, and so is alcohol. So that's that's the reason, one of the reasons, why I pitch cold and allow a free rise, not just on Belgian beers. You know, when we did Little Green uh, uh, 3.9, I think it was, percent dry hop session Saison, that beer was pitched at 64, and it finished at 87 wow. on the dot. And that was with the jacket off and tuning that yeast over a long time, but that beer would never have been the same without that free rise. And, and that was sort of the beginning uh, of my realization that like yeast doesn't like glycol jackets, (laughs) And uh, you know, um, unless you have a really expensive controller that can, you know, pulse your glycol without shocking the tank. If you just have a Ranco like we do and like most Fifteen barrel breweries do. Yeah, if it's set to sixty eight and your beer hits sixty nine, six that fucker's full. Boy, <laughs> yeah. for that tank. And the yeast is like, holy shit, it's cold out, but I don't have a jacket. So when you start your fermentation cooler, you really, really reduce higher alcohol uh, production. Hmm. And then by allowing it to free rise. By the time it gets up to, you know, a normal, like for an IPA, 68 to 70 degree fermentation temperature, you're two thirds through the ferment. So if it finishes at 72, you're, you're getting the attenuation benefit of that higher temperature without getting fusel production. And that's to me is a benefit. And one of the biggest things it does is because of that free rise, my eight to 10% alcohol beer tastes like most people's seven. Um, you know, and, and part of that though, is the reduction in higher alcohols also reduces perceived sweetness, you know, a little bit of ethyl acetate is horrendous. It's nail polish remover, mm. but if were below the flavor threshold for ethyl acetate, but it's still in there above normal, uh, non-wild ale levels you get rose and you get strawberry and you get perceptively sweet flavors. So because that's not in these beers, the perceived sweetness is reduced. And even though it's not as dry as Teresa's Fantastic 1004 double IPA, (laughs) which is what I used to always do, people are going to perceive it as drier than it is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely wild, man.
0: And uh, have you, has this been out in the... In the, in, in the wild? Has it been on
1: the market yet? Yeah. People like it? Yep. How uh, many people got it? 10 cases out there somewhere in Dead. Oregon? <laughs> Someplace?
0: I don't know. Who <laughs> cares anymore? Do you have a distributor or is that, is that just you?
1: No. Yeah. Fuck no. no. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> the last show <laughs> I did with you guys before the, the second to last show yeah. was literally called... Franchise law and the death of craft beer. Yeah. I I done did learned my lesson. There you go. But I would, if there were any distributor I would ever sign with ever again, yeah. uh, It would probably be day one. They're doing an awesome job bringing beers, particularly beers from California into Oregon that deserve to be brought into Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the owner of day one is a super cool dude. He, he, Treat Spear as it should be treated. If if he opened up a branch in Washington, I would consider distributing to Washington. If he reversed the California to Oregon and went Oregon to California, I would consider distributing again in California. Wow, Um, maybe, but uh, high praise as far as Oregon sales, it just doesn't make any sense. No, Um, you know. Well, if if, if White Prius can hold like eighty cases, so yeah. <laughs> if you ever,
0: uh, if you ever, you know, sign with him, you should do a beer called Dave One, and that would be really
1: funny. Just rip off the name of the guy I just plugged. Sure, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dave. I got it. Dave One. I didn't. I didn't hear it. It didn't register. The That's all right.
0: Time. My voice tends to go in and out of audible frequencies for humans.
1: Well, it's just the the you know audible silk. That is the sideburns and mustache. That's true. I can't can't hear (laughs) the actual words coming out of your mouth because I'm just in awe I can't tell you like
0: how many – this is a a constant theme in my life where it's like I'm in a group setting either on a call or in person and I say a thing and nobody says anything. And then two minutes later, someone else says the same exact thing and everyone goes, fuck, that's a great thing you said. It's like constantly –
2: Became an earworm, but it didn't make
0: it to the brain. Right, it was like not happened in my happened in my D and D group. Happened in my D and D group the other night. I said something, and then two minutes later, someone's like, "We should do this thing." I'm like, "That's what I just fucking said." Mad (laughs) makes me mad. Whatever. Um, Peter Munoz, will the beers make it down to California? But I, I, it sounds like not.
1: As soon as you know a global pandemic stops ravaging every facet of normal life. I'll be back at the BN festivals for sure. Yeah. Uh, So you can try it there, but as far as distribution. No. Peter, come out
0: here. I have, I have two cans of double IPA. (laughs) I'll give you.
1: (laughs) All yours, Peter.
0: JP,
2: are you going to be his distributor right now? Yes. You know, honestly, like the whole distribution thing, we, we have a distributor and we didn't really sign like a full agreement. And I just think that, maybe that's going to be a way forward, you know, so you don't have to sign your life away, yeah. but you, you literally are just Pretty like, you take my beer, if you want my beer. And if I don't want to give you any beer, then you don't get any beer.
1: The problem is in Oregon and California, once you sell to a distributor, they own your brand rights in that County or state, no matter what. Nope. The brand is. nope. Did California change?
2: I, I, I swear to, I swear to God. We have a one-page document that says "You're allowed to sell our beer."
1: So we haven't
2: sold our brand. We, sold our, we just sell them
1: beer. And I would be interested in continuing this conversation after the, uh, the episode, but there has okay. been precedent that in Oregon and California that no signed written agreement whatsoever matters at all, because it is technically illegal because you can't supersede state law. This hmm. happens in the shoots. Uh, A number of years ago, it happened to Hop Valley when they had a they had a mutually agreed upon contract with Mm -hmm. a distributor for a set price if they ever left that distribution company. okay, because of state franchise law, the distribution company was awarded millions of dollars in excess of that signed amount because the argument was it doesn't matter what we signed. Our signed agreement violates state law and state law supersedes any independent contract. It sounds like some sovereign citizenship What's that? Sounds like some sovereign
0: citizen bullshit. <laughs> you know, it's like well, yeah, America was a I corporation. Know. I so. mean,
2: like if you if no money changes hands in this agreement, how can money be recovered
1: or damages? All I'm saying <laughs> is, me losing in court on this exact issue doesn't yeah. mean. But the shoots and hot valley losing in court on this exact issue, exactly what you're describing, hmm. it does.
2: Yeah,
1: for sure. Yikes. I mean, there's a reason distributors would accidentally, and, you know, good distributors don't do this, but a lot (laughs) of early Oregon distributors would sell a case in every county in the state just to sell one case. Oh. And if the brand didn't say, hey, you're not authorized to sell in this county, Mm -hmm. a certain amount of time goes by, they say, well, we've been distributing. You can't revoke our rights now. We own your brand statewide. Wow! Wow! But how would they know? I mean, does does the distributor report back? Hey,
0: we sold a case in this county.
1: Unless you're completely oblivious to what's going on with your brand, you should know exactly where every single case and keg of your product is sold.
0: Oh, I would have yeah. no idea. I'd be like, okay, you got it. There you go. I'm like, let me help you load in the truck. Let me hit that. Let me hit that door twice so you know to round up and get out of here. And I'm gonna yeah, go. And I'm gonna go to the <laughs> bank
2: right now with your check. Yeah, you that's all TV. I care
0: about. yeah that's the only reason i'm not a brewer
2: dave in no way am i trying to say that i know more than you like i am am definitely listening i don't i don't
1: think you are i just want to make sure you cover your ass you're clear yeah (laughs) Yeah. i've I've been down this road buddy yeah and i've been down the no contract road specifically yeah we had no contract with our first distributor And I had no knowledge of franchise laws whatsoever. I didn't sign anything. We just sent them beer. The distributor that bought our rights from that first distributor paid $75,000 because we could not go back to self distribution. Even though we had no signed contract whatsoever, and we had been distributing with this first distributor for less than two years. When I said I want to go back to self-distribution, they said, cool, it's going to be six figures. Oh my God. And that, that held up in court. So That's wild, dude. That's so fucking oh wild. Oh my gosh. I was like, Franchise Laws, the fuck are you talking about? I'm just this kid making beer in fucking Corvallis, like, talking to my <laughs> boss. <laughs> yeah. And he did, and it did go so well. Oh, that so. sucks, man. Yeah. Um, well, look, uh,
0: we have one beer from Yahots. Let's do it. And we're going to drink that right now. It's the Devil's Churn Imperial Stout because, you know, as much as of a lover of, uh, loggers and low alcohol beers as you and I both are, Dave, you decided to, um, you know, put your finger right at my butt with this. And I appreciate that. I mean, someone's yeah. got to do it. Taryn doesn't do it anymore. So,
1: yeah.
2: So. So, Dave, you're, you're <laughs> moonlighting, daylighting this
1: yeah, place? Yeah, what's happening? So, uh, yeah, fun, fun story. Um, like I said, I was brought on to basically help with distribution, um, kind of interfacing the production team of two with the sales team of one. <laughs> cool. And then building a platform that could allow, you know, strategic expansion from that point. And then uh, the brewer... Aaron broke his foot two weeks after I got hired. Oh, You know
0: why? <laughs> Love you, Aaron. You're you're like the monkey's paw of brewing or whatever. Like you, you come in yeah. and everything's going to be fine. But then the effects of hiring you
1: yeah. catch Dang. up,
0: right? Yeah. yeah. And so they're like, yeah.
1: fucking David. <laughs> yeah. So I, I show up for like my third shift ever there. Um, so I'm out there two days a week and I, I, I roll in at like 7.30 or eight Monday morning and Aaron's sitting at a table with Jennifer, the GM, and they both got these looks on their faces like, Ugh. <laughs> Like, what happened? Like, fucking tank implode while I was gone? What's going on? <laughs> and Aaron like puts his foot up and there's this like blue water balloon attached oh. to his leg where his foot should be. Uh. And it's like, hey man, that's really gross. Um, what happened? Hey, how did you do that, man? Are you going to a special effects school? Pretty much. In true (laughs) Dave style, he's like, yeah, I slipped going up the stairs. And now my foot looks like this. (laughs) With COVID and everything, it took him like a month to get into the doctor. And then once he finally got x-rays back, they were like, yeah, your ligament's torn. Like, there's there's a bunch of fucked up shit, and you need, like, a plate and a bunch of screws.
0: Because of the delay, or it would have happened anyways?
1: Would have happened anyway. He well,
0: that's, that's good. At least the delay didn't, like, exacerbate the issues, but damn. Aaron
1: is a man that commits. Um, And Aaron committed hard to fucking his foot up <laughs> 10 out of 10 for right. foot injury nice i love it uh, would we'll do it again so uh, i i can't remember exactly how long it's been now but he had to wait weeks in addition to the weeks he waited to get into the doctor to get a surgery date and uh the medical staff in newport just didn't want to give him any info and they kept saying oh yeah you know it's like surgery it's no big deal it'll be good in like a month or two And, you know, he keeps coming back with like, hey, by the way, I lift 160 pound kegs, like all day, every day for my job. And, uh, you know, we, (laughs) we were talking to the workers and she's like, well, can you just do it? Like, you know, part time, like, how do you lift (laughs) on a broken foot part time? How, how do you walk (laughs) upstairs to get to the grain mill? Part time. Yeah. Part time. Like, no. No, we can't fucking do that. Like, I'm the guy that's supposed to sit in the office on the computer. This motherfucker is supposed to lift the grain. <laughs> uh, so I, I quickly went from brewery operations manager to brewer, uh, oh. and you know, like, sit in his little wheelie chair and show me how to use the system. Because <laughs> I'm walking in, you know, I've got all these plans to get Yahoo's into multiple can formats. And start statewide distribution and then move into multi-state and DTC and all these things. And I'm like, now I have to brew every week. Oh, man. I'm the only person that can for, make beer. For how long? Right. Until his foot's better. Yeah, but like. certainly not. Okay. Question mark. Um, okay. They don't know. Awesome with the, the recovery, he just got uh, one of it. And I think someone, maybe Aaron is texting me right now. So I'm going to look at that. Well. No. <clears throat> Anyway, no, uh, it's healing well. Okay, but it's it's hard to get a, a solid timeline when we do what we do. I mean, even washing kegs is strenuous. When you're lifting a hundred empty kegs, that's a hundred thirty pound empty kegs going up. Yeah. Um. So thankfully, uh, we were able to bring back uh, Tamil, an assistant brewer. Who had to be laid off because of COVID, um, and you know, just seasonal shit. So Tannel's coming back, and I'm gonna have my first shift with him tomorrow, which I'm really stoked about. <laughs> uh, not just to you know have the other half of the brewing team back, but my yeah. hope is, since he has such a long experience previously at yahot's like I can kind of uh, help Tannel out with with a small tweaks and changes that I was planning on training Aaron on. And it's going to be a little weird because I'll be training the assistant brewer before I train the head brewer. But um, I'm hoping within the next month or two, we can kind of get back to what it was supposed to be, which is me sitting in the office in slacks, you know, telling them how to do their hard job. That's right. Pressed slacks. Creases Word. down the front of the yep. legs. Yeah, dude. Dockers. Sure. Essentially dockers. I, I, I'm going to have like eight pleats in my pants. Like every <sighs> angle. It's going to be an octagonal pleat. I wish that was the case, man.
2: Just make sure you have Birkenstocks so you can't possibly brew. You know? You <laughs> see, that way. I'm sorry, but
0: or, you know, I'm in my sandals. Open-toed shoes. Can't do it, but I'll tell you what I will do. Click the mouse. That's all I'm yeah. qualified for now. Man.
1: My entire brewing career, no matter how much shit I've done on the behind the scenes and, you know, administrative level, I've always been washing kegs and and producing work. Always. Yeah. And this was really supposed to be the first time, like, what can I do when I'm not doing that and I'm just focusing no. Oh my god! Business. Yeah, no.
2: we yeah. you gotta make that happen because it's gonna be amazing. Like whatever you come up with, yeah, not but having to it'll do it'll never right happen. Stuff.
0: He's the Arnold Rimmer of the beer. Like it's just there's so many parallels to like dumb shit that no one knows about. It just it will never happen for him. It will never happen. He it's had going to happen. God it! No, I won't. It'll never happen.
1: I have an amazing head brewer who no. knows what he is doing. He's got all the hard shit fucking down pat. Okay. He made a 3.5% alcohol dry-hopped lager that was delicious. That sounds great. A 3.5% alcohol cranberry sour with lacto-bucknery, which is one of the hardest lacto streams to work with in the world.
0: Yeah, don't care. Um, it was fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's so, fine. How far away does he live from the brewery? Like a mile. Uh, you should uh, get him an armored car to commute to the... Uh, bubble suit. Yeah, well... In in an armored car because something will happen. I hope it doesn't. Anyway, uh, Imperial Stout, tell me
1: about it real fast here, brother, because we've already taken up like two hours of your time. Aaron brewed before he exploded his foot. Okay. To me, it's almost like if you had an Imperial Irish Dry Stout minus the acidity, minus that lactic note that comes with the traditional uh, stout. So, speaking of dry beers, even though this is 8.5%, it finishes actually at 1008. So, super (laughs) bone dry.
2: Whoa. Yeah.
1: Um, I get that too. Dehusked roast in order to get that. You know, you do want a little bit of acridness. You do want a little bit of You do and that's why I was avoiding in the Porter in a stout.
0: Yeah, that's I think maybe I don't like stouts or Imperial Stouts because it's that acrid that I don't I don't dig on too much.
1: Yeah, I I can't like Black Patent. Yeah. Is my least favorite malt in the world. Yes, same. But I also I do enjoy lots of roast barley. To me, roast barley starts to get a little bit of a kind of pleasant, savory quality once it gets into the high realm. This is a pretty good split between light chocolate, dark chocolate, Carafa 3, and roast barley. I mean,
0: I, I think what you're doing with this, and Teresa, you can correct me if I'm You have some of this, right? Oh, I do. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, it, I, I think what you're doing is 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 right for like an American oh, what I'm doing. style, imperial stout. Right. That's I'm the facilitator. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, what are you doing? What you I saying? instigate management, facilitating. Oh, there you go. Um, I, th- I think the flavors are right. It- it's just it's not because of that that ro- that acrid, roasty thing is not. But again, it's it's in control. It's it's like medium level for that style.
1: So I think oh, yeah, we. I, th- I, I think I get the soy good. sauce umami. No, 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 no. That's, that's f- the thing to me. When, nah, bro. When no. you use too much roast barley, that's when you start getting soy sauce.
0: If 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 I when I exhale in a beer like this, when I exhale and it it tastes to me the way the grain smells, if that makes any kind of fucking yeah, sense, um, then I think that's an appropriate level for me. It's a little too dry, but it tastes great. It tastes great. You have everything in balance for the things, especially now I'm talking about the things I don't like, but uh, that's not what I mean. Um, the The flavor is cool. The, tasting it as I'm exhaling is very, That's like a sort of a new thing for me in a beer. And I, I think that means that you're sort of like layering your flavors really well.
1: I like I get it. a lot of bitter chocolate. Yeah. Like chocolate. Uh, mm-hmm like baking chocolate kind of character. And then like you're saying, a very true barley, like on the exhale, you taste barley. And that's what I really I, like about this. I, I taste I, the
0: roasted grain. Yeah, the roasted barley. It, it tastes like smelling the sacks. Mm-hmm, you yeah. know, when I used to work on more it's like it tastes like smelling sacks, baby. And that's, it's a sack sniffer. Look, and we, we all, pick up, with, with we all and pick up new hobbies. We all pick up new hobbies and this is mine. Um, yeah, no, it tastes like a sack of black roasted barley.
2: Well and I like the there's like I feel like there's a lot of oatmeal and it gives this like little bit of oiliness in the oatmeal. It's, oh, like, 100 it's like a
0: hundred pounds oiliness. of rolled oats, yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's good. I like it, man. So you're doing all their beers. Or you just Lead shift for brew? the time being. That's <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So you're so you're covering and then once the homie's better. I'm the temporary brewer. You're gonna Tennessee. you're gonna be sort I'm of like brand. You're gonna yeah, be like brand you're, managing essentially. So you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're plotting
1: their way forward. Yeah. So basically usually on Monday, Tuesday, um, this week because our grain showed up late on Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. But I'll, you know, I'll roll in at between seven and 9am on day one, spend all day cleaning t- tanks, getting ready for the brew the next day. Then I'll brew everything that needs to be brewed for the week on day two and then I go back, and then you know I'll like drive out on Saturday and spend four hours in the car and forty-five minutes crashing a tank, <laughs> uh, and then head back and do it again. Yeah. Love it, love it, man, love it. Oh man. Well, Dave, look, man, um, I think we're going to
0: wrap it up. I like what you're doing. I think that Cherry Porter was pretty good, mainly because uh, it, you 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 took uh, notes from me, and uh, I I just want to you know remind everybody your, your
1: that royalty check is on the way.
0: I sent it through FedEx. I love it. Oh, good. Okay, so I'll get it in four years. Um, I just want to remind everybody that I, that I benefited. I benefited somebody. I influenced somebody. I just want to remind everybody about that. Um, the branding is great. I think, I think uh, I'm, I'm really excited, man, to see what, uh, what happens over there on New Spring, man. and uh, too. You know?
1: Mixed culture, Marion Berry Sour, there and 2X Hazy IPA next month.
0: <laughs> well, look, one out of two, man. You know, one out of two ain't bad. Um, all right, Lacta. how can everybody find out more about what you're doing up there, Dave?
1: Uh, you can if you have detailed brewing questions or you want to make like a home brew batch or something you've had from New Spring. Email me at Dave at new spring bre- uh, newspringbeer.com. Instagram at New Spring Beer. New. We got to work on your uh, branding. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Or self-marketing, like, I guess, is what it is. Yes. It's just, it's at, just at that at it's new really Spring fresh. Beer. That's what it is. At New Spring uh, Beer. Instagram at New Spring Beer. Okay. New Spring Brewing on Facebook. And then, uh, again, the email. And we might even make a website in the next month. Wow. Hold on. First of all,
0: so we can't buy this in California? Like, let's say uh, if I told Jay, hey, man, uh, Dave has a new oh. project. He can't buy it at all. uh huh. No.
1: All right. Well. Yeah. Maybe soon. You can get it in Oregon. Okay. Well, that's good. Would you contract brew brew to a place in California Oregon. or something? Uh, I don't know. Teresa, do you want to make new spring beer in California? Oh, Yeah.
2: If you make a batch for me, I'll make a batch for you. How about that?
1: Whoa.
2: I'm not actually even kidding. Uh, I think that would be sweet. <laughs> that might actually not be a crazy idea.
0: That'd be tight. Yeah. That'd be cool. Let's
2: make our first beer like a uh, collab.
1: Do a collab to
2: increase awareness, and then, yeah.
1: I'm down. So, do I like stand in your driveway to collaborate, or do we zoom it? Or... Do it how
0: you and I do, Dave. Through email over the course of a month.
2: Yeah, not... I, I don't For know. Reason, we'll just okay. we'll make if a, a, a like poster cutout of you, and like when we do the brew day, we'll have you up there.
0: Yeah, that'd be sweet. That sounds good, man. Hello. That sounds good. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, look, uh, Dave. Again, congratulations, man. I'm really happy that you landed on your feet and you're doing better than ever.
1: Oh, and real quick, yeah. Um, if someone or some group of people is willing to donate two thousand five hundred dollars or more to my charity ride for the National Brain Tumor Society, mm-hmm. which I am unable to do because of COVID, I will get a songful Chris tattoo on my ass. A, a what tattoo? Say it again. Uh, songful Chris, Chris Rogers. He, he's a big fan of the show. Big BN uh, guy,
0: old BN guy. He me yeah. to get his face tattooed on my butt. So is so it,
1: 1, is 500? it. Oh man. That's, it, that's the uh, price. Is it
0: 2,500 real- from one person or collectively? You
1: know, it, can be, it can be a group of people.
0: How do we do that? How do I we need do that?
1: 2,500 for the National Brain Tumor Society or more. How do we do that? Well, you know, you find enough people to pitch in a couple hundred. How bucks.
0: do we donate the be- the money to you? <laughs> oh, you fucking idiot.
1: <laughs> Through the National Brain Tumor Society <laughs> website. I haven't set it up, man. He just challenged me on Facebook So how episode. do we uh, how Call do you out, okay? We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> You're, You're really, you know to what? Me at Dave at newspringbeer.com with the subject line ass tattoo number 2. This time it's not wrong. Okay. That's how we make this happen.
0: Okay. I'll tell you what, when you get your site set up and do all that thing, email me. I'll mention it on another show. Um, and it's no wonder your first brand tanked. You can't market for shit. <laughs> We're the wrong beer. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dave. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Teresa, thank you, thank you, of course, as always. Everyone, thanks for joining us in the chat. I really appreciate it. And uh, we will see you guys, I think, next week. Uh, we are going to have, I want to say it's Five Suns on, uh, S-U-N-S, um, wait, is it next week? No, actually, shit, is it this, hold on, are we doing two, yes, it's going to be, ooh, Thursday, yeah, that works, this Thursday, the 28th, Five Suns Brewing, I believe they're in Martinez, and I have some beer from them too, so, uh, we're gonna get a double shot of the session on, uh, on the old <laughs> Facebook Live here, everybody, so, uh. Be sure to tune in and uh, and check that out. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, until next time, be safe. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Uh, we're, we're getting through this thing. I mean, you know, Dave's not, but uh, I am. Um, and that's all that matters. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. JP's an asshole. Justin's on like my sky and
0: winning the race. JP does great as his charity.